0: It's Wednesday, July 25th, and this is The Daily Diet. There was some surprising news that singer Demi Lovato was rushed to the hospital after an apparent heroin overdose. The singer has struggled with substance abuse for a long time, but had recently been sober for six years. We will tell you about Demi Lovato's past and revisit an interview with drug and alcohol counselor Todd Zalkins. Next, an update to a wild story from over the weekend where police engaged in a shootout with a suspect who shot at his own grandmother multiple times. The suspect led police on a chase to a Trader Joe's in Silver Lake, California, where he crashed and then took hostages inside the store. The tragic part of the story was that the store manager was caught in the crossfire and was shot by police. She later died. My producer, Miranda, joins us for the details. Finally, the Trump administration is planning to give farmers up to $12 billion in aid to ease concerns over the ongoing trade disputes with China and some of our allies. Corey Atkinson, reporter for Axios, joins us to talk about the effect that the trade war is having on farmers and how this short-term solution will work. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. got some very interesting news yesterday very surprising singer Demi Lovato was transported to a hospital after a suspected heroin overdose my producer Miranda has been following details of this story what happened Miranda
1: Demi Lovato was rushed to the hospital Tuesday afternoon in Los Angeles after suffering what appeared to be an apparent heroin overdose She lives in the Hollywood Hills. She was transported by ambulance and was treated pretty quickly by paramedics at the scene.
0: And they said that she was treated with Narcan, which is used to reverse an opioid overdose. So right away, they said they brought her back. I know that her aunt had posted on social media that she was awake and alert. Those social media posts were quickly taken down right away for unknown reasons. But at least it seems like she is doing a little bit better.
1: Yeah, they said that once she got to the hospital, she was with her mother, uh, Diana De La Garza, at her bedside. And the 25-year-old singer had social media posts done by her aunt, Carissa Dunn, uh, asking for prayers, saying that she's awake and alert. Those posts, like you said, were deleted. But Demi Lovato's struggles with her sobriety are not a secret. She's been very public about her issues.
0: Right, and they had just said that she had recently went through six years of being sober but she had a song recently called Sober where she hinted at being at falling off the wagon, saying she's not sober anymore. Well, uh, Tell us a little bit about some of the problems she's had so
1: far. Some of the problems she had. Well, Oscar, I'll tell you, she had a documentary that was released on YouTube about a month ago called Simply Complicated. And in this documentary, she reveals that she first tried cocaine at the age of 17 when she was uh, starring in the show called Sunny with a Chance on Disney. And from there, she went on tour with the Jonas Brothers. She started drinking very heavily. And she said at one point during that tour, she was uh, using drugs every single day for two months solid.
0: Yeah, she also explained, and this gets into more of the psychological aspect, that her dad was an addict, and alcoholic, and that she was always searching in those drugs maybe what he found in those things, what fulfilled him Uh, in those things that made him choose that over his family. So it's just an interesting thing that, you know, the psychological aspect that plays into all of this.
1: Right. And she says that she, after checking into rehab for the first time at age 18, once she got out, she started relapsing immediately. And she was so good at hiding it and covering it up. She had a sober companion using drugs the whole time. She was on the interview circuit talking about her new sober lifestyle, high on drugs the whole time. So she's incredibly adept at maintaining this dual life.
0: Well, it seems like she will be recovering from this. As we said, her aunt had said that she is awake and responsive. Other sources have told news outlets like Variety that she is in stable condition. There was an Us Weekly interview that they had done with some of her friends about Narcan specifically.
1: Yeah, what they said, Oscar, was that Demi had been partying with her close friends Monday night in the Hollywood Hills. It was someone's birthday. They were celebrating by all accounts. She was having a great time, but that her friends knew that this was coming. She had been using so much again, using whatever drugs she could get her hands on, I suppose, She had been using so much again. They were up all night partying the night before, and one of her friends happened to keep Narcan on hand in case something like this happened.
0: And this takes us back to a story that we did very early on in this podcast specifically, and we want to end this story that way. We spoke to Todd Zalkins. He's a certified drug and alcohol counselor. He's a speaker on opioid recovery and awareness. And we had him on early in the podcast to talk about specifically the Surgeon General's warning that said this exact thing. If you know people that are susceptible to this or are using, keep Narcan on hand because you never know when somebody's going to overdose and this thing is so effective at overturning it. And all reports are saying that that's what they use to help Demi get out of the overdose. So with that, let's end this story. We'll listen to Todd Zalkins. The Surgeon General just issued a warning saying that friends and family of people who are abusing these drugs or just taking high doses of opioids for pain that everybody should be carrying naloxone or Narcan.
2: I absolutely agree with that. If you're amongst company with people who are at high risk and certainly who have the history of overdosing, Narcan is a very, very effective method of saving someone's life. The nasal spray is one method of the Narcan method, and there's, there's also an injection that most medics use. When it comes to using that particular method to bring someone back, if it's a fentanyl overdose, you gotta get to them very, very quickly. Fentanyl is fifty to hundred times stronger than morphine.
0: How long do we have uh, between noticing someone is overdosing and till the time that you know they they might pass?
2: Again, if if it's a fentanyl overdose, you have a very very short window, a couple of minutes at most. Heroin tends to it can be a little bit longer, and so it all depends upon the individual. It's got to be very, very fast because the fentanyl can just floor you and everything just stops so quickly. But to come back to Narcan, it is extremely effective at bringing someone back. Uh, However, when you bring someone back, you you don't just stop right there. You've got to get them into a hospital for monitoring. You can't allow them to use once they're brought back because the addict, by the way, is going to want to use again. Believe it or not, they're going to want to get loaded again. It will bring them back into the world and breathing again. It actually brings on a massive withdrawal. They've got to not use for that day. And so often, many times they do, and they overdose again.
0: Briefly back to the Surgeon General's warning about having... naloxone on hand how do we administer that properly
2: i would like to share with everybody to to simply go to narcan.com it's n-a-r-c-a-n.com and the website is easily to navigate and you can even punch in your zip code it can first off share with you exactly where you can find narcan okay it it shares with you how to administrate it it's fairly easy it's a pretty good push into each nostril and the individual if you get them in time they're going to respond I'm sorry to report that we've now determined through our forensic investigation that one of the officer's rounds struck Miss Carada as she was exiting the market and was in close proximity to Atkins. I spoke with both these officers this morning. They're devastated.
0: Joining me now is my producer, Miranda, to talk about this crazy story at the Trader Joe's in Los Angeles. Over the weekend, there was a huge shootout hostage situation. It was a scene played out of a movie almost again, which is one of these outrageous interactions with the criminal and the police. We just found out now that the LAPD announced that one of their officers fired the bullet that struck and killed a Trader Joe's employee that was caught up in this frantic moment. What did they say happened?
1: There were reports that a woman had been shot, identified as the gunman's grandmother. So when later reports said, you know, oh, a person has died in the result of this, I think everyone thought it was the grandmother. But in reality, it was the store manager of this Silver Lake Trader Joe's. Her name is uh, Melita Corrado. She's 27 years old, and she was the store manager at this Silver Lake Trader Joe's.
0: Now, what happened was the suspect, his name is Gene Atkins. Earlier in the day, as you were saying, he had an altercation with his grandmother. He shot her multiple times, and then he fled the scene. Cops caught up with him later. They used some type of LoJack thing to monitor their car. They found him later, and they were in a police chase with him. He was shooting outside of the car. He was shooting through the back windshield at police officers, and he ended up crashing into a pole right in front of this Trader Joe's that was in Silver Lake, California. And at that point... He got out of the car, he ran into the Trader Joe's to take cover, and he started exchanging gunfire with police once again. At the time, the reports say that the, that Melita Corrado, she heard the car crash, and then she kind of went outside to maybe investigate what had happened. She was walking towards the parking lot, and that's where she got caught in the crossfire of the police.
1: Yeah, they're saying that the officer's bullet struck her arm. It went through her arm, entered her body, and that's when she dropped, and she was able to crawl back inside the store and hide out in her manager's office. But ultimately, that's where she passed away.
0: The chief of police in Los Angeles, his name is Michael Moore, He went out and said, I I fully believe that my officers did the right thing. They did what they had to do to protect themselves, the people of Los Angeles, because he'd done one of the worst things ever shooting at family members. He was shooting at cops while he was being chased on the road. So they didn't know what he was capable of. Why
1: wouldn't he shoot a bunch of strangers? Why wouldn't he
0: shoot a bunch of people? So they had to do it. Michael Moore, the uh, L.A. chief of police, he'd just been appointed on June 4th. So he's been there just for a short amount of time. And even he himself has been caught up in some of this stuff before. When he was a younger police officer, somebody was shooting a gun. He had to take action and shoot that person himself. So he's been through this type of situation where you have to make those split decisions as an officer to protect other people. So he knows where these officers are coming from and he fully supports them. And it's hard not to. We're going to talk about the dash cam footage that they released in a moment. It's hard not to really see how hard a decision this is to make.
1: When you watch these videos and we'll post them up on our social media, you'll see it's very quick moving and you can hear these officers speaking to each other during the drive. The female officer says, I have my gun out. I'm ready to go. And the male officer who's driving says, do not do not shoot. because he's exchanging gunfire at them. They don't want to shoot a civilian.
0: Let's take a quick step back. Who is Gene Atkins, the suspect in all of this? Why did he get into this fight with his grandma?
1: Gene Atkins lived with his grandmother. Her name is Mary Madison, and she raised... Gene Atkins, and would take care of him, even though he had a checkered past. He'd have frequent run-ins with the police, and sometimes he'd fight with a lot of the family members. One of the cousins said that whenever he'd get into something, she would go to his rescue, and that's why she can't believe that he shot her. He said that he had a lot of anger issues stemming from his childhood and into his adult life. And the fight that sparked this whole issue was an argument between Atkins and his grandmother over letting Atkins' girlfriend sleep over at the house.
0: We have a little bit of audio. Let's play that, and then we'll de- describe what's going on in the videos. Shot So you can hear even right there, that's return fire from Gene Atkins, the shooter, hitting like a nearby pole as that he's trying thing. to shoot at cops. The You know, in California, you're supposed to release dash cam video within 45 to 60 days of something happening. Those are new rules set up there. He released the video right away to frame the picture of what was going on. What is the video showing while uh, all this is going on?
1: It starts in the car and it's showing the officers in pursuit. Of the suspect, Atkins. And you can see he's shooting at them while they're driving. So they kind of hit the brakes and and step back. And they're going so fast, Oscar, through these tight, narrow streets. It's a crowded Saturday afternoon in Los Angeles in the summer. People are out and about. So they're, they're turning and they're turning and they're driving. And you can see the car accident happen where Atkins crashes into the pole. And that's when the officers stop their vehicles because Atkins gets out and is shooting at them. And there's people walking around. Right. So you can hear the officers and you can see them yelling. Everybody shots fired, get down, get down. And people seem to comply. And then the officers get out and that's when it switches to body cam. So we see the first officer's body cam as he runs in to navigate behind this, you know, three foot ish looking cinder block wall. And that's where he's shooting at and getting shot back. And then it switches over to the partner, the female officer's body cam. And you see her do the same. She runs and takes cover.
0: This is always a lose-lose type of situation. You don't know what's going to happen. And even for the safety of people at large, I mean, you have to almost engage this person because what else are you going to do? I I know people were saying, how can the cops just get out and shoot into a crowded area? But this guy already shot at his grandma. You don't know what he's capable of. He runs into a store, takes people hostage like that. You you have to engage at the guy. And he's shooting at cops while they're driving through the city. So thanks, Miranda.
1: Thank you, Oscar.
2: They don't want to have those tariffs put on them. They're all coming to see us. And the farmers will be the biggest beneficiary.
0: Watch. We're opening up markets. You watch what's going happen. Just be a little patient. They're all aiming at anybody that likes me. Joining us now is Corey Atkinson, reporter for Axios. Last week on CNBC, Peter Navarro, he's a White House trade advisor. He went on there and said that uh, the amount of trade being affected by a lot of these tariffs was really more of a rounding error compared to the vast size of the Chinese and American economies. He went further and said that his point is that a lot of this is much less disruptive than the headlines would suggest. But now we have news that the administration is planning up to $12 billion in farm aid to ease concerns over these trade disputes. What's going on? What did they say? What did they unveil?
3: Right. So today, the Trump administration announced a $12 billion emergency release plan to aid farmers. It's by the retaliatory tariffs caused by the present escalating trade war with some of the American allies. And in fact, Axis has reported earlier this year that Trump floated a similar idea of creating substantive payments for farmers, but you know Republican lawmakers quickly reviewed that idea.
0: Yeah, in this particular one, uh, he doesn't have to go through Congress. It doesn't require congressional approval, but he said that they did notify them.
3: Right, yeah. He said he did notify them. So all this program will work, it will go into the second September. So the aid will be delivered in three ways. So the government will make direct payments to farmers, it will produce soybeans, corn, hogs and other commodities. It will also purchase various produce from farmers and distribute them to to food banks and other nutrition programs and third, it will develop new export markets with product sectors.
0: this whole thing kicked off when the administration imposed tariffs on aluminum and steel they right. said that it was because of national security concerns what were those national security concerns that prompted the first round of tariffs
3: well, in fact, there weren't really no national security concerns. In order to, you know, to impose those tariffs, the Trump administration you know, used that language to justify its reasons. So as a result of these tariffs, it has urged actually key states that have helped um, Trump join the president in 2016. So, for example, the recent um, retaliatory tariffs that China imposed on the U.S. That will impose this month is targeting like states that are producing soybeans. And out of these ten states, nine of these states have, you know, have helped Trump in 2016. So today's move is a politically calculated move because in order for Trump to receive support for his re-election, he has to make sure he's making inroads with these states.
0: They're gonna be making payments to farmers that would be affected by this, but they're also gonna purchase a lot of these products that the farmers are making Um, They're going to give them to food banks and other nutrition programs. But there's been other reports that say we have a big surplus of beef and cheese right now. All these things Mm -hmm. are just kind of in cold storage. Are we just going to keep increasing these stockpiles? I mean, what's going to happen after that?
3: It's really unclear, um, you know, what the next step the administration will take in regards with the ongoing trade war. Even today um, in in Kansas, Trump, you know, he reassured, we know that Kansas is a major agricultural base, so he kind of reassured, you know, farmers that everything will be okay. The agricultural secretary was quick to lambast China for what he said is called um, illegal retailer tariffs.
0: Right. And the president, uh, as well as tweeting, saying that tariffs are the greatest and that, you know, all these countries that have treated us unfairly on trade, we're going to keep going on this until they negotiate a fair deal. Uh, I think he continues to say that we remember we are the piggy bank that's being robbed. What has been the reaction so far to this announcement? I'm sure farmers are happy about this, but what have lawmakers been saying?
3: Well, you know, this has received quick backlash from Republicans, um, especially those from farm states. You're advocating for free market economics. And this has revived debates regarding taxpayers' and bailouts. And then you have trade groups who argue that the 10 doesn't address the underlying problem, which is, you know, they want to end the trade war.
0: One of the criticisms I saw, this was from Senator Ben Sass, who is uh, oftentimes an opponent of uh-huh. the president. He said the trade war is cutting the legs out from under farmers, and the White House's plan is to spend $12 billion on gold crutches. It's pretty funny the way they always position these things, but... They're going without congressional approval, so I'm sure a lot of them are not happy on this. It's good to see that the farmers are going to get some aid in this, but it Mm -hmm. just really means that the president is sticking to his guns and will continue uh, these trade disputes. Corey Atkinson, reporter for Axios, thank you very much for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: All right, that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. We love the feedback, so don't forget to leave us a comment and give us a rating. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive.